0: This is the Yob ConvoCast, one-on-one conversations with your other brother's authors, community members, supporters, and friends.
1: What's up, friends? and Welcome back to the Yob ConvoCast, conversations with a cross-section of our community as we Continue spanning the spectrum in this really fun, really illuminating, really uh, just enjoyable cast series that we're doing this summer. I'm Tom. I never introduce myself in these casts. I figure on the Yabcast, I introduce myself, and then on the ConvoCast, I just assume that everyone knows who I am. So I'm Tom, by the way. This doesn't happen often, but I have an in studio guest. He's sitting there across from me, waiting for his time to speak like a good boy, and I, he, I, he's visited before, he's been on the show many times, and I'm excited that he's in the room with me, getting to share some of his story today. It is my other brother, Ben. What's up, Ben?
0: Hey, Tom, good to actually be here in the flesh.
1: You're here in the flesh, and what's really exciting is that your wife is here too. I don't know if she can hear us right now, but she's in the other room, and she's here too, and I got to meet her for the first time, which was so exciting. Tell us about your journey. How did you get here?
0: <laughs> you <laughs> mean
1: here to this specific space? Yeah, you see, what we're going to do is back up. We're going to start there. How did you get here to Asheville on this blessed, humid, hot July day? We're currently in my studio room where there's no air conditioning. The windows are closed. We had to turn the fan off to amplify the acoustics of this recording. So um, so the sweat is pouring. At least it is on my body. I won't speak for, for your body. But um you are here yeah you were here in Asheville and so I was curious how you got here and then the rest of this episode we're going to zoom out how did you get here in a more metaphoric (laughs) sense oh gosh where have we not been on this trip so far (laughs) no we started out in Michigan
0: um we have been visiting friends and family everywhere along the way uh stopping in Kentucky on the Gulf side of Florida on the seaside of Florida uh, spending a little bit of time um, in South Carolina just for ourselves, uh, and then stopping in North Carolina, a couple of other places before getting here. Uh, I've got family in three different states at this point, and then saw a few yobbers along the way as well. So yeah, a little bit of a road trip for us, but also uh, this is us celebrating our 15-year anniversary. So this is part of that
1: trip as wow. well. Wow. 15 years tomorrow. Wow. Where was I 15 years ago? I would have been, oh my gosh, I would have been 21 years old. <laughs> I was a uh, very confused and lost. 15. Wow, fifteen years—that really takes me back to where I was fifteen years ago. And you got married fifteen years ago. Wow.
0: Yeah, we we were also. You're so mature. No, too. you
1: must have. You must have known exactly what you were doing and how to plan for your life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we we knew everything. We had every
0: step between then and now planned out we had like a five-year plan a 10-year plan and Whoa. none of that none of that is true
1: maybe this will be an interesting cross-section because when i thought about 15 years ago as of this recording that would have been 2008 and that was when i found that is when i discovered the zanga community which predated Yab, this a group of anonymous bloggers so that's when my eyes were opened up until that point i literally had no idea that there were other Christians like me, <laughs> like it's such a prehistoric time 15 years ago. Wow. That is that is wild. That is so wild. Um, Real quick. I'm so glad on this trip, this is like the joy of traveling for me now. And I'm glad you've gotten to partake in it as well. When you get to travel now, you're part of the Your Other Brothers network and you can like tap into all the people that live in Florida and live in North Carolina and live in Kentucky and live like all these places because they're everywhere. Um, the, the joy of traveling now that you have like this internet community, this internet family. Like what a fun, what a fun thing. How has that been for, I imagine for your wife, this was like her first time meeting a lot of these people in our community.
0: Yeah, yeah, first time getting to meet uh, you and then a few others face to face. Um, Some people have been to visit us
1: before though in Michigan. So
0: a few faces were familiar at least, but yeah. Good.
1: Yeah. Well, it's been fun to have you here. I'm glad we were gonna record this earlier, like a week or two ago. But I'm glad it worked out that you are now here. And one of the few, the proud, who have recorded with me in person. Because it's a very short list. So I hope you feel the honor despite the sweat pouring out of your pores. Indeed. The sweat pouring out of my pores, anyway. Um, Well, we flipped the hourglass. The hourglass is right between us. I don't think it's making any noise. It's right next to the microphone. Usually it's not right next to the microphone. So hopefully you don't hear those little kernels of sand falling. Power
0: suggestion, there's going to be somebody who writes it and says, you know what, I could hear the sand. Somebody's
1: turning up the volume all the way right now on their car dials or on their iPhones or whatever they're listening on, and they are hearing it. They're let's hearing listen it together because
0: left. in those grains of sand is hidden the gay agenda.
1: <laughs> it's in there. Well, anyway, we're losing sand. Uh, ben, let's. we're in the middle of the series. You know what it's all about. All about identification, sexual identity, orientation. Um you know, it's like on the surface. I, I joked about this with Alex on the last episode. But it's like on the surface, if someone were to just click onto our website, and if they knew there was a community out there, they'd be like, "Oh, okay, they're all, they're all gay, or they're all SSA, or or they're all side B." And maybe that's true to an extent. Maybe there's some truth in that. But Venn diagrams, like they overlap, and they some people identify as this but not as this. Um, some people are fine with this but not with that. And so it's been really interesting to explore. Um, the goal of this series is to talk to single people, married people, younger people, older people. Um, we're trying to get a nice little cross-section of the community. So so you are our first married person on this show, on this series. So there is that. Um, so let's start with there. You're married. How do you identify presently if you were to sum it up in a word or two or three? So people that know me, if I'm going to identify as anything, I would use the word queer,
0: mostly because that ends up... Um, opening up conversation. Because if I say I'm gay and people don't know me, the automatic assumption Mm -hmm. is what per se, you know, that, okay, if they see my wedding ring, they assume gay married to a man. If I say queer, uh, that, that invites conversation that invites, you know, further questioning. Um, yeah. So, so queer is the, the label that I would use most often.
1: Yeah, that makes that makes total sense why why you would do that. How do you feel about this phrase this <laughs> there's an acronym out there. I don't know how you feel about it. M O M, which is a mixed orientation marriage or mom for short. How do you feel about moms? <laughs>
0: I think that moms are great. You know, I'm here because of a mom. I think most of us are.
1: Um, I just love that. I love that the acronym for mixed orientation marriage is mom. It's so. That, I I get a chuckle out of it. But no, seriously, how do you feel about that term? That terminology? Does it fit to you, or is it lacking? Or how do you feel?
0: I think that it's a helpful term. You know, language definitions are are useful. Again, being able to throw that out there is something that invites further conversation. It's useful having a label, but it's also, it's a little hokey. It's a little cumbersome. Mixed Mm -hmm. orientation marriage. Um, You know, just as soon say, it would make just as much sense for somebody if I were to say, I'm a gay man married to a woman. And that would convey, I think, the same idea Mm -hmm. as saying mixed orientation marriage. And then they would have to go, well, what, what, what does that mean? And then I would just have to unpack that it's shorter to say gay man married to woman so
1: plus if you're in a mixed orientation marriage then there's also there's also the the nebulous nebulosity nebulousness of which spouse is same sex attracted or gay or which one is straight or heterosexual and then there's confusion about which one is which if you don't know if you don't know either of their stories and so i can see how that might be limiting as well and just to throw the curveball out there if you have a
0: Man and a woman in a mixed orientation marriage, but both of them are attracted to the same sex. Mm. Is that a mixed orientation marriage?
1: No. I did you hear this term at Revoice a couple of years ago? No. What, <laughs> what? What? What is it? <laughs> I'm not the authority to speak on this, but but no, there was. Uh, I went to Revoice. Gosh, when was that? Two years ago now. Uh, I went to Revoice two years ago, and there was a couple that spoke, and they. That was exactly the situation. The man attracted the men, the woman attracted women. They called themselves a queer-oriented marriage, a, qu- a qualm or something. I'm not sure. I don't know if that's how you would pronounce that, but um, but a queer-oriented marriage where, yeah, each spouse identifies as queer. So that was news to me because, I, I mean, I knew that that existed, but I just didn't know it had a name or they came up with a name or or they adopted the name. I'm not sure the etymology of a queer-oriented marriage, but there you go. I know I feel like the word There's is, a name for everything. Yeah. And queer ends up kinda of
0: being almost like a catch all for yeah, sexual minorities in general. Um, which I've talked to some older people and they, they ask, isn't that a slur? And the answer is, well, historically it used to be, but it's kind of being reclaimed by the LGBTQ community as as a catch all and saying, No, we we can use that word to define ourselves. So
1: It's really, yeah. I mean I was I mean, in a span of just a couple of years, like a couple of years ago, I would not have used that word to identify myself because I just felt weird about it because I just heard I only my only context for it was a negative context of hearing the those jerk Christian boys that at the Christian high school I went to that they would use that word and it was never in a positive redeeming sense. And so, so my only context was like, oh, that's a slur and that's a way to make fun of somebody and you don't just call people that or identify as that. But but I like I like how you said it's a catch-all, an umbrella. Like there's something about it that feels more and more comfortable the more it exists, the more people adopt it. Um, I might share more about that later in the series as maybe maybe I'll get an episode at some point. How does Tom identify? I don't know. We'll see. Um but no, this is about you, Ben. So let's let's backtrack a little bit now because we mentioned you're married. You're married for 15 years. Congratulations. That's Thank exciting. You. Um but let's backtrack to before you got married and growing up as a, as a little youngster, and coming to terms with your sexuality or figuring out your sexuality, um, yeah, what was the journey of getting to this identification? Were there other words that you would have used previously, or just tell us tell us a little story? You got you got until the sand gets to here.
0: <laughs> oh, that's so unfair. <laughs> I'm got, just gonna turn it sideways. Um, yeah, so I was very much in the closet growing up. You know, I. I remember the back of a lot of church pews, but I don't really remember regularly attending when I was younger. Uh, What little I heard about gay people was that God hates gay people. So, you know, when I did hit puberty, uh, my first memories of attraction were towards other guys. But by that point, I had been to church at least a little bit and I, I was told, no, God doesn't make people gay. So that couldn't be what I was experiencing. So I didn't really have a label for, you know, saying what it was I was feeling. I just knew that I was nailing it and then not lusting after the girls in the youth group category, you know. Um, so that was awesome. Good job. Yeah. 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 I mean, I if, that's measure, yeah. if that's the measure, if that's the measure of sanctification and purity culture, I was nailing it mm-hmm. by not nailing, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Yes. Very nice. Yes. Um... But then, you know, going away to going away to college at a conservative Bible college, that was the first time where I was really wrestling with, okay, so what does this mean really deeply? Uh, because I'd prayed for God to change it. I'd come out to myself at that point. I had admitted, okay, I'm attracted to other guys. I'd prayed for God to take that away, to change it, to minimize it, whatever uh, to allow me to be attracted to women. And it just wasn't happening. Um, but then, and I mentioned this on the podcast a a time or two before, uh, Christopher Yuan came and spoke in chapel. And that was the first time where I had somebody else give voice and give language to what I was experiencing. And that was, he used the phrase same sex attracted and talked about The idea that you can be attracted, but not sinning. The idea that action and attraction are two very different things. Mm -hmm. So at that point in my journey, I would have said same-sex attracted, and that is how I identified for a long time. Um, Told Marie before we got married, told a few of my friends as well, was actually met with positive reactions from people, but we did not talk about that again until six years into marriage. Just put that back in a box put it on the shelf and
1: yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't talked about. So. Yeah. I feel like there's so many in our community that start off in the, the SSA arena. Cause that's where I started. It's where a lot of us kind of start this journey. Um, maybe that'll change moving forward with like a new generation coming up and different context for sexual identity. It's way different now than it was 20, 30 years ago when we, when we were growing up. But um, but that's really awesome that you like can find somebody else like you like again that was such a light bulb moment for me as well when I found that blog in 2008 15 years ago and saw all these other Christians identifying as SSA and this was like it was so obvious to me at the time where I was like oh yeah that's that's me like I I identify as that these are my people that are also following Jesus the way I want to follow him and also have this proclivity this attraction um, And thank God I never struggled. Did you ever struggle with feeling like the attraction itself was sinful? Or were you able to make that distinction between action and attraction? I like how you put that.
0: So I would say definitely there was a time period where I thought the attraction itself was Mm. sinful. Um, Prior to going away to Bible college, I did spend some time in a, you could call it a discipleship program. Other people might call it a cult. That's a story for another day. But I remember laying in the back, I had a truck with a cap on the back of it, and middle of a thunderstorm, I can only describe it as wrestling with God. Um, laying in the back of that truck bed, the rain is beating down, there's thunder, it's cacophonous, and I'm just like yelling at God, you know, asking this question of why, why won't you change this, why won't you take this away? Because at the time, very much viewing the, the attraction itself as sinful and feeling like as long as that was there, that, you know, I could never really serve him, that I could never really be 100% his. Um, and the particular church background that I had been in at that point, it was always this idea that. There's got to be some sort of secret sin you're holding on to. There's got to be something that you're not doing right or surely God would have, you know, fixed this by now Mm -hmm. was kind of the mindset. So yeah, definitely.
1: Yeah. You know, I'm really curious as I'm thinking back on the last episode that we did with Alex who identifies as bisexual. Um, So you're married to a woman, but you, opt not to identify as bisexual. I was curious if there's any differentiation there as far as like identifying as queer versus identifying as bi, being married to a woman, having attraction to one woman versus many women. Like, how would you tie all that up as far as differentiating, parting the waters of these, all these different labels that overlap?
0: Yeah, that's, that's been something that I've had to to explain to people before. So Marie is the exception, the one and only exception mm-hmm. That was something that I that I did wrestle with in undergrad was, was there attraction to, to other women? And while I thought kind of maybe there was almost that question mark, was it really there? So rather than saying bisexual, and yes, bisexuality is a spectrum, I know that there's Some angry person on Twitter who's going to probably be railing against this later. We won't say his name. But um, yeah, I would still say gay man married to woman because, again, exception Mm -hmm. rather than rule otherwise exclusively attracted to, to men, period. I would also say, though, my attraction is a lot more demisexual, which would be once there's been a firm relationship basis built, once there's emotional connection, that also is what allows for uh, sexual attraction as well. But then, still, that's still tied more exclusively with men than with women. So,
1: so demisexual. Yes. This is throw more terms at people. Yes. An attraction to demi more? Or Ooh, well, see that would be a woman. <laughs> so So wait, um, can you define that real quick again? Because you did say it, yeah. but tie tie it up. What is what is demisexual? So demisexual.
0: Yeah, it's a lot more tied in with emotional connection with a person. Mm. Um now that can still be a person not necessarily knowing somebody else, but a perceived emotional connection, a perceived Oh, I am compatible with this person. I am like them. I'm able to connect with them. I'm safe with them. And out of that connection, there's the ability to have like sexual attraction attraction and emotional connection on a deeper level with Mm -hmm. that person. So demisexual would be the term for that. And um yeah, there's other ways probably to define that as well. But that's I wonder
1: if there's is there a term for like a reverse? demisexual where it's like the more you get to know somebody maybe there was initially physical sexual attraction and then as you get to know this man then the sexual component like starts to die away that's what i was thinking about when you're talking about um demisexual because i've had that experience as far as other men go like you get to know originally they start out as an object or like the unknown or this like mysterious exciting force when you lock eyes with them or notice them or whatever and then then you get to become friends with them or notice them, and then you like, you can't imagine doing sexual things with, with them because it makes you feel gross or makes you feel weird or makes you feel like you're dishonoring them, which is should be that way from the beginning if you're lusting after anybody. But um, I don't know. That was a little, little tangent as you're talking about demi, demi-sexual, dex, demisexuality and the reverse of that or the inverse of that. Interesting. Well, uh,
0: caution word, purity culture. Yeah. Um... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So no, I people's think people's heart rates just spiked. I know. The idea though back then was you're supposed to view your brother or sister in Christ as your brother or mm. sister in Christ, not no, as sex with your brother. Yeah, absolutely. Your sister. <laughs> I'm not going to make a joke about any of the states that I traveled through will not do it. Moving mm. on. Um mm. But the idea of, yeah, you you form a connection with a person and you view them not as an object, but as a person, as a human. And even within demisexuality, even though there can be uh, sexual attraction that develops there, one of the reasons why it's also possible to say no is because... Relationship has been established there. There's respect there for that other person, mm-hmm. and so there's the desire to keep that relationship and not cross those lines as well. Yeah, so, yeah. I, I wouldn't call it reverse demisexuality per se. Um,
1: it is a greater appreciation though of their their personhood. I mean, yeah, yeah, their humanity. Absolutely. Yeah, you know. So then, to tie a bow on the the bi versus queer label conversation, because I'm sure there are people who would who would identify as bi if they were married to a woman, even if they had the same exact experience as you and they were like, I'm attracted to only my wife, not to other women, but mostly to men. But that then makes me bi because I'm attracted, because my wife qualifies as women. And so then I'd be, and so it's, it's like, that's the silly part of this conversation is that everybody's gonna define these terms in different ways. There's gonna be a lot of overlap and there's gonna be a lot of similarity as far as how person A or person B or person C will define these words, but then inevitably Someone's just going to do it differently. Like we got to talk with Alex about bisexuality. I'm shouting out Alex so much in this episode. Shout out to to Alex. You've given us such great content, not only for that episode, but this one and probably more moving forward Um, because he described his attraction as 85% for men and 15% for women. And so who's to say that a bi person couldn't have a 99% attraction for men and a 1% attraction for women and still like feel comfortable identifying as bi or maybe they wouldn't maybe they would identify as demi or maybe they would identify as just an umbrella term like queer so there's, there's so many ways to go about it and you could get lost in the weeds as far as like we're just trying to put words to experiences and trying to like explain stories and trying to show um a little bit of your life experience and so um with that being said what would as we close all of these episodes what would you say the biggest struggle um identifying as a queer person, a queer person in a marriage, which may or may not be mixed oriented, which may or may not be a mom. <laughs> um, what's the What's been the greatest struggle as far as this identification goes? Is it like explaining thing? Do people just have a hard time understanding that?
0: And say the the bigger struggle is not having the space when I was younger to process a lot of these thoughts means processing a decent amount of them as an adult, Mm -hmm. wanting to have those safe spaces to be authentic and to be real and wanting those spaces, not to just be, you know, spaces like your other brothers wanting that to be within the church. But when I've tried to bring those conversations into the church, uh, that hasn't always gone well, that hasn't necessarily been, a safe space, uh, unfortunately it feels as though people tend to assume the worst rather than who the Christians,
1: I know, (laughs) right? Yeah. Church people. Wait a minute.
0: Yeah. So yeah, people tend Mm. to uh, assume the worst. And so the, the phrase that comes to mind is, um, have you stopped beating your mother yet? You know, assumed in the question, is you're already doing something wrong? Um, And and yeah, it's the idea that you are put on the defensive from the beginning. Mm -hmm. And if a person comes to you in a combative manner and already assumes that you are wrong or are in sin, uh, you're in a place of, yeah, you're in a place of defense. You're in a place of, for for a lot of us, for me, it was a place of feeling very triggered because I've had... People in authority positions react very negatively uh, when I try to talk about my sexuality. So negative reactions, certain words or phrases used, even now, if those get used, it's still hard to have some conversations. Mm. Yeah. I would say that, you know, within my Marie's marriage, she's been awesome to be here every step along the way to have these conversations with me uh to stand beside me you know uh yeah hold me when i need to cry and vice versa um because when people attack it's not like they're just attacking me they're attacking they're attacking us they're yeah, yeah because we are one flesh we are together in this and some joy that we've been able to have come out of our our marriage is we've tried to create safe space for for other queer people um, opening up our home, whether it's for a day or a week or, I don't know, three plus years, uh, <laughs> to have people be able to move in and process their faith, their sexuality, and know that it's going to be okay. You've got a safe place to lay your head and we're here for you. So, yeah, that's been kind of a hallmark of of us being together mm. in this is creating those spaces. So, yeah.
1: Does that segue into your greatest joy or did you have another answer for your greatest joy or the biggest blessing as far as your sexuality goes? Because if you had a different answer, I was going to linger on the struggle for a moment. Oh, we can linger on the struggle and then let's I'll come back. to it. Yeah, the yeah let's, I love absolutely. lingering on the struggle. Mm. Um, yeah, I didn't even think about that. That like, not only must it be difficult to field the confusion and being on the defensive, like being attacked, like right from the get go. But then to like be tied to somebody else that that also comparatively, if not equally affects as well, as far as like being with you in this marriage and like, it's going to, if it affects you, it's going to affect her as well. Like, I didn't even think about that, that's probably got to be just a really hard time. Like on the one hand, then you, you then have each other to support one another through that, but still like going through that together must not be the most fun thing <laughs> in the world. I know you've gone through, you've gone through a lot with that.
0: Yeah. And it has continued to push us closer together. Um, you know, I tell people I, I got to marry, I got to marry my best friend. And I think that's one of the reasons why, um, you know, we've, we've done as well as we have is we continue to see each other. We continue to walk with one another and she is my best friend. I -hmm. get to tell her everything that's going on in my head and my heart and vice versa, even when it's not easy so Mm. yeah
1: well that is beautiful because it does inevitably lead into joys and blessings as far as this whole (laughs) this whole conversation goes um yeah i mean you've already started talking about a little bit but if there's anything else this is your time to shine as you still have you know about half a pinky worth of sand i would say yeah to work with so us being able to open up our home to
0: other people that have also been through pain you know is one that i've mentioned um us being able to walk through pain together and grow stronger as a couple is another joy. Uh, when we've been able to share our story with friends, whether that's, you know, other married people or, or single people, um, they've looked at us as an example of marriage. And again, it's not like mm-hmm. we've got the perfect marriage or anything. There's been good points and bad points and struggling and striving, but the fact that we keep coming back to each other and loving one another, um, we've been able to use our, our marriage to encourage other people as well, not just queer folk. And that's been awesome. So yeah, a lot of, a lot of joys along this journey as well.
1: I love how it's just like, so others focus, like bringing in other people, blessing other people. I just, uh, know that you're, you've you been a blessing to our YAB community for sure. And you've been on our leadership team for so long and have been on however many podcasts now and just sharing your story and being a part of this endeavor as we try to, um, yeah, bring, bring real life to these words and these nebulous feelings and putting stories out there in written form and audible form. And then in all the relationship form as well, like coming on retreats or Zoom calls or whatever in our community. It's been awesome to just have you be in our midst as... um As somebody who's married, as somebody who's been in the pastorate, who's, who has that perspective and who's just been, um, and now on this road trip, you get to travel and connect with so many people in our community. Like what a fun, what a fun thing it's been. Like, I don't know. I just, it makes me smile whenever, like I have these conversations to just know that God is definitely using you despite all the challenges and all the confusion and all the injustice that you've had to face and all, and that we're all facing in this community. Um, like he's doing something good he's doing something amazing and so i'm just encouraging you to keep going it's good to it's good to just get a little glimpse of this of this story with you today
0: yeah thanks for uh thanks for this time it's been encouraging to me as well to be able to talk about it so
1: yeah and it's just like i knew i knew at some point i would meet your wife and so i'm glad that we were able to check that off off the list we're going to go out to dinner soon do you have any idea of where we're going for dinner what's what's what are you hungering for here in asheville we've got everything in asheville i don't know if you've noticed that but it's like the whitest town but we have every nationality of food like everything's here
0: <laughs> as long as it's not a chain restaurant that's like the only say, stipulation you can't go to a
1: chain restaurant no, no. we've got we've got indian we've got thai we've got chinese we've got um we've even got like ethiopian where you like eat finger foods like off the plate like there's so much so much variety here so we'll ponder that ponder what you want we had jamaican last (laughs) night so oh yeah good variety of food very nice uh where are you headed next are you wrapping up this trip next we're headed to ohio to spend more time
0: with family and then uh, a couple of other people and yeah at least one other yobber in, in ohio too so
1: and then back to Michigan, right? Back to Michigan. Back to the handprint of God. I'm sure the handprint misses you.
0: Yes, yes. That ends our family of raccoons living in our <laughs> attic. Yeah, you were telling me that as you got a family of raccoons happening. <laughs> right before we moved. Hopefully
1: they're gone. Maybe not. Uh, anyway. Are they like rabbits? Did they multiply? I mean, there were already quickly. four babies. I don't know. We'll see. Have the babies already had babies? I don't know. We'll see. Keep me posted. Keep us posted because you've now involved the listenership in, into this story as well. So we'll need updates on the raccoon babies. <laughs> raccoon gate 2023. This saga I was telling. Continues. I was telling you and your wife when you arrived last night, I had a raccoon go after my bird feeder. I hung up a bird feeder. It was my grandmother's bird feeder, everybody. I hung it up outside of my door. And I heard rustling in the night and I looked out my door and the raccoon was hanging up from the railing, reaching its little hand out to the bird feeder and like tossing it around. And so bird seed would fall to the ground and then it climbed down and ate the bird seed. I was like, what even? What even are you? It's strange to me that raccoons have hands. Is that strange? (laughs) Why did God make raccoons have hands? (laughs) They're so cute though. They are cute, but also it was like... Enough, because the next day he like tore that thing up and I had to, so I have now taken down my birdhouse. But this is, this is, this is another story. This is another saga for another day. We, we have raccoon stories to share, but they'll come at another time. Um, all right, Ben, well, thanks for sharing. Thanks for sharing your story and some of your journey with sexual identity. Um, I'm excited to see who else I rope into this conversation because we were only just getting started. I feel, I feel like we still got many others to connect with. So everybody stay tuned. Stay tuned next time for another conversation as we keep spanning the spectrum. And I guess until we cast that next convo, we'll see you then. Goodbye, Ben, even though you're right here. (laughs) Goodbye, Tom. (laughs) I can't just click an end screen button and see you disappear. No, you are with me now. Yeah, it's like when you say goodbye to
0: somebody, you hug, and then you both walk in the same direction towards your cars. (laughs) This is what's happening. We're saying goodbye to each other right now. Goodbye, Ben. Goodbye. Goodbye, dear listeners. Until next time.
1: And meanwhile, we're still Mm. still here. Yeah. (laughs)